Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to go ahead and jump into John chapter 11. So get your Bibles, open to John chapter 11. While you're opening your Bibles, I want to go ahead and and talk to you about how the book of John is set up. Um, What we're going to see this week, next week, and the week after is we're going through John 1 through 12. We've made it to chapter 11. We're going to hit chapter 12 in a couple of weeks. And those are all the book of signs. Those are all the things that Jesus did in his lifetime. Now, starting in chapter 13, and this is going to be a crazy thing, because we've, we've covered this three-year period in his life, and we've seen all the things that he's done. Well, if you can believe this, the last, the 13 through 21, the last eight chapters, those are going to cover a very short span in his life. 13 through 21 covers what they call the book of glory, and that is his giving his life over and defeating death. And so we're going to get to deep dive into all of the various things that occurred those last few few weeks of his life. And we're going to do it, if you can believe this, over about three or four months, maybe five months. It's going to be a deep dive into that. So I know you're excited about that. I am. Um, <clears throat> here's the main goal of the book, though. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, But these are written so that you may continue to what? To believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by what? Believing in Him that you will have, here it is, and we're going to talk about this today, that you will have life. And how are you going to have life? We have life by the power of His name. Not by the power of your name, not by the power of Mohammed, not by the power of Buddha, by the power of his name. And we're going to see why his name has power today. So let's start. This is one of my favorite texts of the scripture. I love it. John, I've taught this a million times in 10 different, you could do 50 sermons on the text I'm going to do today. Okay. So you literally could. Um, It says this, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed there where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. By the way, that, those verses 9 and 10, he wasn't really talking about real light. He was talking about spiritual light because we had talked about that before where he says, I am 
the light of the world as he stood by the lampstand that we looked at. So, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And then his disciples said this, Lord, if he is asleep, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly. Sometimes when you have goofy friends around you, you just got to tell them straight up and down. And that's what he did. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And being the sharp-minded, brilliant guy that Thomas was, he says to the fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. You ever been in a situation where you're trying to explain something to somebody and they don't get it, and so finally you just kind of roll your eyes and move on and say, just come on, just do what I do, just come on. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, and mark this, because Martha's showing that she knows some theology. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, and this is important for our text, I am, there's another I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never die. That's important for us. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary, Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. By the way, that's the first scripture I ever memorized. It's the shortest one in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Let's continue. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have helped Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to the heavens and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. 
this is the second greatest miracle that has ever occurred on the face of the earth. The first being the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the second greatest miracle that has ever occurred. I want to explain to you who Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are first. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are three of the main supporters of Christ. They followed him around. As a matter of fact, they were as close to Jesus Christ as you could possibly get on earth to another human being. Oftentimes we see that their house is often where they stayed when Jesus would come through that area. And so Lazarus has gotten sick and Jesus has waited. Are you with me? Don't, don't miss that. But Jesus waited two days. Jesus has waited. And so here is what we see as we look at this text. Jesus waited. The disciples were confused. And Mary and Martha were ticked off. They were angry. They were angry with their friend. Martha was upset. And Mary was upset. Mary was so upset that she didn't even go when, to meet Jesus when she knew he was coming Martha had to go get her and bring her to where Jesus was. They were disappointed. I've done messages before where I looked at this text and I said, listen, let's look at the different players involved. The disciples were confused. They were so confused about what he was going to do, they didn't understand. Mary and Martha, they were angry. Jesus was in control and was trying to show them the power that he had. And the question I always asked was, what about Lazarus? Because if you think about Lazarus, if Lazarus is sick, and he's looking out a window, looking for his friend that he has seen heal blind men, and he has seen do miracles, he's looking at this person, he knows he can save him, he knows he can heal his sickness, and he never comes. And, you know, you got to be thinking, Lazarus is thinking, oh, he'll be here. He'll be here. He'll be here. But as he gets weaker and weaker and weaker and suddenly he dies, you have to be thinking, what is it that Lazarus thought? Mary was upset because Jesus' timing was not what her timing was. And that brings me to the first lesson in this message. And here it is. Sometimes our timing and God's timing are different. I want you to hear that. Listen to that. Let me just say this. In my own life, every time, God's timing and my timing are different. The second thing you can learn is this. God's plan isn't always our plan. I'll say this. Most of the time, God's plan isn't my plan. But I want you to know something that this text is going to teach us today. It's that his timing and his plan are always perfect. And here's the caveat. Even when we don't understand it. Because there are things that have happened to me that I do not understand why they occurred. And it's taken years and years and years for me to look back and to say, okay, God, now I see. What I couldn't see 20 years ago, you could see clearly. And I had a choice whether to trust you or not. But now, 20 years later, I see the benefit 
of that which occurred to me, and I understand why you did and why you allowed what you allowed. But if I'm going to be transparent with you and honest with you, there's some things that I still don't understand. I don't. I don't at all. I don't understand why certain things have happened. But you see, that's where belief and faith come in. Where we can't see what we think we should see, we have to know, like the Scripture says, that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. That we have, and I like to say this a lot, we have, if our life was a continuum, and I used to say this to students all the time, if your life starts over here and it goes all the way down, what we can see is all we've known. I used to say, so my life is at this point. Now my life is over here, to be honest with you. I'm about right here, okay? And all I can see is this. And what you have to understand is, is that Jesus can see everything. He is not bound to our times. He is not bound to our existence here. He's looking over the whole plan. And so he has things that he's setting up here and here and here and here so that you will get from here to here over here so that when he wants you to be here to do this for that person and this person and that person, but if this hadn't happened to you, then you would not be able to do this because if this didn't happen, then that person wouldn't be in your... And I could go on and on and on and on and on. And that is the greatness of God. That his plan isn't always going to be our plan. And that his timing isn't always going to be our timing. There was a lot of emotion around this. There was a lot of emotion around this whole scenario. And I told you before, Mary knew her Bible. Because when he said this, he, she says, listen, I know he's going to be resurrected when everyone's resurrected at the end. I know that. And he had, cause she, I mean, she quoted theology to him in verse 24. But Jesus wanted to go a lot deeper than just theology here. Are you with me? Can I tell you that it's good? It's good to know theology, and it's good to know your Bible, but I'm going to tell you what's even better. I'm going to tell you what's even gooder. Are you with me? It's a lot gooder to experience God in real life. That's what's better. It's great to know my Bible, but man, it's awesome to experience God in real life. That's what's awesome. He wanted to show by his very spoken word. By the way, the same spoken word that spoke the world into existence. He wanted to show by that word that he could overcome death and raise Lazarus. And here's what he really wanted to show. And this is going to be the first point. Gosh, it's 1045. I'm not even to my first point yet. I'll tell you what, we may go over. We may not beat the Methodists to the, to the, to the buffet today. I don't know. We'll see. He wanted to show Martha and everyone else that the resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. And I don't want you to miss that. The resurrection is not an event. It's not. It's a person. The resurrection is a... Today, just like every Sunday, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he has conquered death, that he made a way for us to reconnect with God again. But the truth of the matter is, instead of celebrating the resurrection today as an event, we should celebrate him as the resurrection. Are you with me? The resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, here's what it means for us. 
Just like the scripture says, it means we never have to experience death. We never have to experience death. And you may say, oh, that's not true. That's not true because my mom died or my father died or, or my aunt died and she was a godly woman and she died. Here's, here is, here is, this is bariology 101, okay? Not theology, it's bariology. All right, here, here's, here's what I take from the text. That literally, it is going to be like a blink of an eye. And this thing that a lot of us have feared our whole life, being death, is going to be literally like closing your eyes and open them up again. And we're in the presence of God. We don't experience the death. You know, I, I, unfortunately I've had a few people when I've been doing ministry who have passed away. Uh, probably the greatest, uh, the greatest example of this is, is the young man who passed away. He was 20 years old. And I was not in the room. I was close to being in the room. Uh, I wasn't there. I hadn't made it to the hospital yet. Uh, and he was in hospice, uh, and he wanted to be at the cancer ward at the children's area where he, he lived a lot of his life. But, but uh, there was one of my students that was in the room, and she told of, of him and describing the presence, the thick presence of God that suddenly entered the room at the moment right before he died. And it was an amazing description she had. And the peace that he had at that moment. A 20-year-old having peace. We don't experience death. One moment we're here, in the next millisecond we're in the presence of God. It means that we have an eternal home. Because he is the resurrection, we have an eternal home with him. It means that we're no longer burdened down by sin that weighs us down. It means that we can live a life that is free of worry if we so choose to do so. We have that option. But here's the caveat to that. You have to believe that Jesus is the resurrection. And you have to give your life over to Him. See, for you and me, there is no resurrection if we continue to stay in control of our own lives. There is no resurrection. You have to give it over to Him. You know, I think oftentimes about this. I often think, and you need to do this sometimes yourself because it's really a good practice. Where would you be without Jesus today? Where would you be? Where would you be? Well, I would be lost, that's for sure. I would probably be lost both figuratively and reality. <laughs> I would probably be lost somewhere on some road somewhere that I couldn't find my way. But I also would be lost. I would be a mess, and I would be searching for something. And i got to be real transparent with you today. I don't understand how people today make it without Christ. I don't understand how people make it in today's world without hope. I don't understand how they make it without the hope and the greatness of who Christ is. I don't understand how they live their lives on a daily basis. I don't understand what they get up in the morning for. Are you with me? 
I don't have a comprehension of what motivates them to go to work and what motivates them to deal with other people and what motivates them. I don't understand that for anyone who doesn't know Christ. They don't have that eternal hope because I'm going to tell you something. If this is all there is, it's pretty bad. Right? If this is all there is. It's so funny to me when people, I was watching this show yesterday as I was doing some work outside and I had the TV on and I was listening to it. And there was a couple and they couldn't, they couldn't agree on money. They couldn't agree on money because the father, the father wanted, he, he, he wasn't concerned as much about dollars and cents. He wanted family. Are you with me? But the wife, the wife, and usually it's backwards, but the wife, the wife, she wanted a career and she was very successful and very driven. And the guy came in and helped them understand and helped them talk and come together. And by the end of the show, this is what she said, and I loved it. She said, I have come to the realization that money means nothing and that the real blessing and joy in my life is the family that God has blessed me with, is the people that are around me. That's what's fulfilling. The resurrection, you guys, is not an event. It's a person. And here's what I love about the resurrection. Is that he says in this text, he's not just the resurrection. It gets even better. He also is the life. He's the resurrection, and he's the life. So here's how good it gets. He doesn't only deliver us from death. He also brings us into life. Eternal life first, as I've told you before, the minute you give your life over to Christ, at that very moment, you become a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship starts at that moment. That's why I tell people all the time, hey, don't, don't get into political arguments and don't get into all this garbage about this and that. Don't do that. Don't do that as much. Come on now. Look, I'm passionate about it too. But we need to watch those things. Because here's the reality, you guys. America's not very old. and It can go away pretty quick, as we've seen with all kinds of other countries and nations. But can I tell you, what doesn't go away ever is our citizenship in heaven. You see, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a heaven citizen first as a follower of Christ, and I'm an American second. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to tote the flag and sing uh, God Bless the USA right along with Lee Greenwood. All right? But my citizenship starts in heaven. But here's the great thing about this. That's just part of it. The better part of it is this. Our life changes now. He wants us to have life. Remember, believe and live. He wants us to live eternally, but he wants us to, John 10, 10, he wants us to have life and have it to the abundance. Now listen, I know this is going to shock some people. I'm not a big fan of Southern gospel music. All right? I'm not. I'm not. Don't judge me. I'm not. You know why I'm not a fan of Southern gospel music? 
One, it's because that, that real chubby guy always hits that high note at the end. Are you with me? Those four people that listen to gospel music, sorry. But he does, he's like, and I'm like, how in the heck did that guy get his voice up there? I have no idea. But that's not it. The real reason I don't like gospel music, southern gospel music, is because it seems like all they sing about is how things are going to be great one day. One day I'm coming, one day I'm coming, and they all get into it, and they're like, oh, it's going to be great, it's going to be heaven, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. But here's my message to them. I'm like, bro, it could be good now. Are you with me? You don't have to be. It's not, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. There are followers of Jesus that need to alert their face that they're followers of Jesus. Because they don't, it's almost like they don't want to live now. They're saving everything up for heaven. And my thing to them is, is he is the resurrection and the life. He will save you from the grave. He will save you from that. He will give you a citizenship in heaven. But here's the thing. He also cares about your life today. It's so funny. People always say, well, God's more, he's more worried about my holiness than he is my happiness. Can I tell you something? He's worried about both. You know how I know that? Because you're worried about both for your children. And we are His children. He's worried about both. And we have to realize that we don't just sit here, you know, like poor schmucks waiting for that time when the trumpet blows and we go to heaven. I'm not living that kind of life. I'm going to embrace that. Romans says this in chapter 12. I'm going to embrace what it is that God has done for me, and I'm going to give my life over to Him, because when I give my life over to Him, He can do more than I can do with this life. Why am I happy that I know Christ? It's not just because I'm going to heaven. It's because, man, at, from 19 to 52, 33 years, man, it's been an awesome ride so far. There's been ups and downs. There's been things that have bothered me. There's been a tornado that blew through my house. There's been, my dad died. There have been all kinds of things. But I'll tell you this, never have I ever not felt and not understood that Christ is my anchor, and He is my hope. And I'm thankful, not just that He is the resurrection, but that He's the life, and that He gives me life. And let me say something to you. That's what attracts other people to Jesus. It's not you standing on a street corner yelling, you're going to hell! And I'm like, bro, you act like you're happy about it. You know? That's not what it is. It's the way we treat other people. It's the way, and listen, it's, I used to call it in student ministry, it's the overflow. God's pouring into me, I'm overflowing to everybody else. The bad part is, is that if you're having junk poured into you, you'll overflow junk. If you hadn't allowed God to come in and change your heart, you'll overflow junk. And we experience that with people sometimes. But he's the resurrection and it is not an event, it's a person, but he's also the life. And he's the life starting right now, today. Because Jesus is a right now deliverer. I want you to hear that. In 1126, 
It says this. It says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come to the world. Then she, you know, and then, but here's what happens. She says, I know you can do this. And he says, no. I'm doing it now. I know he'll be resurrected. No, you don't get it. I'm doing it now. Right now. As we're here. Let's go to where it is. He is a right now deliverer. Right now. It's amazing to me, it's amazing to me that the creator of the world, one, would love me enough to care about me and to see my heart and to change my heart. But the most amazing thing about it is is that he has the power to do it instantly. Instantly. I've heard it said by a theologian that it's a good a thing that he said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he'd have just said, come forth, there'd have been a whole lot of resurrections going on. Because he has that power. He resurrected Lazarus from the grave. My question to you is, has he resurrected you? Have you allowed him to? What's your life like today? It's so amazing. There's an amazing thing that occurred that we see here and that you can overlook it. And I talk about, I've done a sermon about this in particular too, but there's people that are, that are hurting in our church right now. And it's an amazing thing because what you see is mourners came and gathered around. They came and gathered around Mary and Martha. And when Mary got up and went, they said, she's going to the grave to mourn. She's going to the tomb. And guess what they did? They didn't say, hey, that's fine, let her go. I'm going to go get me a you know, bucket of chicken and, and you know, watch Netflix. They didn't do that, did they? What did they do? They all went with her and gathered around with her. And here is the amazing thing, and I want you to hear this. If you are tentative to be around someone who's mourning, if you're tentative to be around someone who's hurting, if you're tentative, I want you to know something. You are probably missing an opportunity, one, to be Christ to them, but two, you're probably missing the opportunity to see Christ do something great in their life. Because those mourners that didn't go along with, they didn't see the miracle. There's a lot of dynamics that are going on. This verse, these verses, are the culmination of Jesus' earthly ministry. And then the plot to kill him begins. And we start that next week. Jesus is the resurrection. It's not an event. It's a person. Jesus is not just the resurrection, but he's also the life. And I hope you're experiencing both of those on a daily basis. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that 
For so long, I thought that the resurrection was an event. I thought it was a thing that happened in time. And God, you opened my eyes to see that, no, you are the resurrection. Wherever you are, you bring life. God, I do pray that you would bring life into the lives of the people that are here, for those watching online, and for the community that we live in. God, let us be great examples of who you are to the community here. God, we want you to fill us to the point where all we do is show life to other people. God, we know it's the true test. It's the true test. You've said it. It's the true test. How much do we love other people? What does our life reflect? God, let us embrace you as the resurrection, not as an event, but as a person. And let us experience in everyday life you. And may others see that. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.